The following is a podcast brought to you by the faith community at The Torch, Clock Tower Plaza, Morgantown, Pennsylvania, and Pastor Brett Swales, and is dedicated to continuing the work of Jesus peaceably, simply, together. The love of Jesus filling every heart. Welcome to the Walking Jesus podcast, where we discuss practical, actionable steps for walking with Jesus in a Christian life without confusion, hassle, or stress. I'm your host, Pastor Brett, so let's get moving. Charity in our midst. What is charity, anyhow? They say the seven corporal works of mercy are feeding the hungry, giving drink to the thirsty, clothing the naked, sheltering the homeless, ministering to the sick, visiting the imprisoned, and burying the dead. Are there any laws that pertain to charities? Well, the Charity Act clarifies that to be recognized as a charity, an organization must be not-for-profit. To be a charity, they must have only charitable purposes that are for the public benefit. They must not have a disqualifying purpose. A charity cannot be an individual. An example would be John Doe charities representing John Doe's personal monies and cannot be a political party or a government entity. But what does Scripture say about charity? Romans 12, verses 6 through 8. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. And if it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. You've got to understand that God gave certain people in each congregation special gifts. These are not so much miraculous gifts as they are motivational gifts. Each gift is not only to motivate the giver, but also to motivate the rest of us in the church. When you have a giver in your midst, they motivate you to give as well. There's a story in Acts that illustrates that. Acts chapter 4, verses 34 to 37 tell us, There were no needy persons among them. And here we're speaking of the Christians in Jerusalem. For from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Notice what this passage is saying. There were people in the church that sold their properties to supply for the needy. Then it tells us about what Barnabas was doing. Why did Barnabas sell his land? 
because he'd seen others doing the same, and he was influenced by their actions. I have an illustration. It's the story of my eldest daughter's first attempted foreign trip, or how the secular world often gets charity all wrong. My daughter had been assured by the sponsoring agency of the trip that by canvassing local businesses, she could easily have funding. She did go to local businesses, which returned very little. Then she waited as the trip sponsor had assured her that money would be forthcoming from these businesses. One day a letter arrived from a local business, and she was so excited. She opened the letter, and the letter said, in essence, Unless you are a customer, I do not supply charitable giving for you. In other words, nothing was given, and with that, an insult. The editor of my paper at the time said, That's not charity that this man speaks of. That's the cost of doing business. My point is this. God places givers in our midst to challenge the rest of us to help the needy, and it works. Illustration. Back in 2009, a Gallup poll of those who attend religious services are more likely to be generous in how they use their resources and time. Of those who had attended a religious service within the last seven days, 34% said they donated money to a charity, 26 volunteered their time to an organization, and 50% helped a stranger. Proverbs 14, verse 21, Blessed is he who is kind to the needy. And Proverbs chapter 22, verse 9, A generous man will himself be blessed, for he shares his food with the poor. And Proverbs 19, verse 17. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. You must understand God is real clear on the fact that this is not optional for us. Proverbs 21, 13. If a man shuts his ears to the cries of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. If you turn your back on the poor, God will turn his back on you. In fact, Jesus told the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Do you remember where the rich man ends up? He ends up in hell. Do you remember why he ends up there? Because he didn't have mercy on Lazarus. Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things, but now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Luke chapter 16, verse 25. Later, Jesus tells the parable of the sheep and the goats. He tells the sheep they'll be welcome in heaven. Do you remember why? Matthew chapter 25, verses 35 and 36 tell us, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. 
When the sheep ask when they did this for Jesus, he replies, When you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Then he tells the goats, They're going to hell. Why? For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. When the goats ask when they neglected him, Jesus replied, When you did not do this to the least of these, my brethren, you did not do it for me. Now, this isn't to say that good deeds are going to save us. It is a consistent teaching throughout the New Testament that it is only the blood of Jesus that can save you. However, Jesus is telling us here that if you're thinking you can claim the blood of the Lamb and just ignore the poor, you're kidding yourself and kidding yourself big time. Because God takes this very seriously. But now... Let's say you don't have any spare cash to help the poor. Well, you're in luck. God has devised ways for you to raise the funds. Do you know what the ways are? Every week I used to drive to downtown Lancaster to teach classes to refugees from around the world. Yes, they were legal here in the United States. You see, when refugees come from the United Nations camps... The average time they spend waiting there is 17 years, mostly living in tents, waiting for their papers to be processed, checked, and vetted. In other words, what I'm saying is, you can tithe your time. These are the poorest of the poor, but they have some small hope. I taught everything from the ABCs to counting numbers how to call police, fire, and ambulance, how to read prescriptions and tell traffic signals. Is it exciting and invigorating? No. Truth be told, I wasn't very successful. But it provides something in short supply. Hope for their future. That part was exciting to see. Isaiah 58 tells us all about another thing. It's called fasting. The kind of fasting I want is this. Remove the chains of oppression and the yoke of injustice and let the oppressed go free. Share your food with the hungry and open your homes to the homeless poor. Give clothes to those who have nothing to wear and do not refuse to help your own relatives. Then my favor will shine on you like the morning sun and your wounds will be quickly healed. I will always be with you to save you. My presence will protect you on every side. When you pray, I will answer you. When you call to me, I will respond. If you put an end to oppression, to every gesture of contempt, and to every evil word, if you give food to the hungry and satisfy those who are in need, then the darkness around you will turn to the brightness of noon, and I will always guide you and satisfy you with good things. I will keep you strong and well. You will be like a garden that has plenty of water, 
like a spring of water that never goes dry. Now fasting, fasting is like a booster shot. You see, the food you eat costs money. A regular meal at home can cost about $5. So let's say you decide to fast for one day. That's three meals. That's, say, $15. But let's say you fast for five days. Each meal costs $5. Well, that's $75. What God is telling us in Isaiah 58 that I just read is this. If you love me enough to deny yourself, and then you invest the money you saved in taking care of the poor, you can't imagine the cool stuff I can do for you. It doesn't mean you're going to get everything you want, but you'll get more than you would have otherwise. I want that. Don't you? God gives these gifts to certain individuals, and those individuals then serve as inspirations to meet a higher standard of giving. Ann Douglas Vaughn, Newport News, Virginia, and Reader's Digest of July 2014 says, When I was 10, I found a wallet. There wasn't any money in it, but I knew how these things worked. I couldn't wait to return it and get my reward. My dad drove me to the owner's address. Once there, we found a modest military housing unit with a torn screen door. As I rang the bell, my dad hurriedly took three $20 bills and tucked them into the wallet. Turns out my reward was getting to see one of life's true heroes in action. What a testimony. Those with the gift of giving inspire us to greater works of service. And certain people do have this gift. They give to the needy because that's their passion. How do you know if you have this gift? Are you able to see resources around you? Can you invest yourself in your gifts? Do you desire to give high-quality items to the needy? Do you have hope that your gift answers prayers? Do you desire to give what you give secretly? Do you also exercise personal thriftiness? Can you use gifts to multiply other gifts? The gift of giving is highly important, but the danger for those with this gift is to shine their lights on themselves and on their accomplishments, on their leadership skills that lead to their wealth or led to their wealth. As with all of these gifts, we should remember Jesus' words in Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and what? And glorify your Father which is in heaven. The point here is that giving to the poor is a high priority for God. That's why giving is one of the gifts that God gives individuals in the church. He's placed this extremely important gift into the church so we'd be inspired. And God isn't concerned with how much we give, as with the fact that we do give. Now, I'm not trying to preach a health and wealth doctrine here, no. I'm not trying to say that if you give to the poor, you'll get your heart's desires. But I am saying that God is so committed to this concept of giving to the poor that he has promised that when we do, he regards that as a personal loan to him 
and God pays with interest. You may not get your heart's desires, but you will get way more than you could have otherwise because this is such a critical concept to God. God calls us to be a people who give to the needy, and God does that because he wants us to become like him. We ourselves were once needy and desperate. You know, on another note, here at Walking Jesus Podcasts, all of our sound files are sent to you at my personal expense. The more podcasts we have, the more we pay. If we are filling a need for you, you may donate to us by check or money order at Pastor Brett Swales, P.O. Box 911, Brownstown, Pennsylvania, 17508. Now, even if you cannot help us at this time, we're going to continue to fund the podcasts and produce them for as long as we are able, because this is our mission. It is our way of giving here. For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have eternal life. Amen. This podcast was brought to you by the Faith Community at the Torch Clock Tower Plaza, Morgantown, Pennsylvania, and me, Pastor Brett Swales, and is dedicated to continuing the work of Jesus peacefully, simply, together. If you would like to add friends to our distribution list or send us a church directory, please reply with an email and your name to me at b-r-e-t-t dot S-W-A-I-L-E-S at gmail.com The love of Jesus filling every heart. Thank you and good day.